0: The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: It was like bringing a fire truck to put out a cigarette suppressing the little spark of hope with the overwhelming force of a thousand suns. Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's November 23rd, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios of the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost for a glorious Steelers 27 Jaguar 3 victory. And uh, sorry for mixing metaphors in the opening monologue there, but um, it, just was, it was nice to sit there for a yet another game where you're not clutching your chest in the last minute.
0: We talk about that, about, you know, it's when you have those games that make you question your sanity as an adult in terms of how can my emotions get higher during this football game than they do at any other point in my life. Uh, This is terrible. And then you make the the comparison, hey, well, it's better than blowing teams out every week. You know, that would be boring. That would not be boring. That would be awesome. It would just establish our domin We would just go through life thinking we're better than everybody else. And it would reaffirm that every weekend for us. So if we beat teams by 20 plus points every weekend, I have no problem with it.
1: Well, here's where we cannot affirm our hegemony because once again, our betting was less than 500. We were four and five. We had a nice streak going of what the heck would the Chiefs please win by seven and a half? My Great gosh. game, but. That's not what I was paying attention to.
0: You know, the way I look at that, is that our fault or is that the team's fault? And that's the team's fault. We weren't out there. You know, we made the right calls, in my opinion, and then they just didn't execute. So what are you going to do? For one thing uh, extra, I know whose fault it definitely is not. Bet online, the spot where we make all of our bets, that's bet online, baby. Football is fully zooming towards the playoffs. The playoff picture We're not really concerned with it because we're the Steelers and we're at the top and we're concerned with the Kansas City Chiefs and very concerned with the Baltimore Ravens and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you might as well, in terms of betting, bet on the Steelman every week. It's worked out great every single time. Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on all the action you could possibly imagine this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Hey, maybe you can wager on whether John Harbaugh will shake Mike Tomlin's hand this weekend because uh, he didn't seem to want to shake Vrabel's hand last weekend. Real class act up there in Baltimore. Head to Bet Online today. And use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet online. Ching! Your online sports book experts.
1: I will acknowledge a little PTSD with Jacksonville. We were a little worried about going in there. I guess yes. as one quarterback got waylaid way laid after the next one, it was a little less concerning. But the 10.5 points, I mean, I don't want to make this all about betting, but that just seemed to bridge too far.
0: No, it's not all about betting because the Steelers, as we've pointed out this stat many times, as 10-point favorites or more than 10-point favorites on the road uh, in the Talman era, they were like, before yesterday, they were like 2-11. I mean, the Cowboys game. We just saw it two, three weeks ago. I mean, it, it is clockwork. And once again, you see what is different about this Steelers team. It's weirdly the messiest, sloppiest 10-0 and team we've seen. But that doesn't mean they don't deserve it. They certainly deserve it. I think, But it's just weird how they play incredible for spurts. The defense stays at a pretty high level for for most of the time, regardless. But especially the offense really comes and goes. Um, and we have reason to worry about Jacksonville because that 10-point favorite thing has not worked well for the Steelers. And uh, it looks like they learned from their mistakes. And this year they've learned from their mistakes better than any other year. You know, at the beginning of the year they had – issues with just blitzing every player on every single play until eventually that burned them. They learn how to get past that. Maybe they will eventually learn how to uh, avoid that lack of aggression they have on offense. That's double negative right there. But what I'm trying to say is that not being aggressive sometimes bites them in the butt. So hopefully they'll learn from that. But there was a reason to be worried. That's all I'm saying. And the Steelers traditionally have played poorly in Jacksonville. I think now, what is it, the Steelers are 13 and 14 against the Jaguars shocking they have a losing record and by the way the Jaguars have only been around since what the late 90s or something like that so it's been in a great Steelers era so it's surprising but Jacksonville just seems to have Pittsburgh's number and before this game Ben and Tomlin pointed that out I thought that was a critically great sign before this game that they were aware of their poor performance there and hey I don't know about you but that Jacksonville Jaguars loss in the 2017 playoffs, for me, might be my most painful Steelers loss ever, including the championships against New England and so on and so forth. But I think that Ben remembers that season and that team that taunted him after the five-interception game before he was majestic in the playoffs. Um, and so, yeah, looks like the Steelers were ready. I don't think that it's just a small feat that they were able to blow out a team, which we are constantly begging them to do at 10-0. and 0.
1: Uh, just to confirm, I'm not sure. So the Jaguars lead the all-time series 14 to 13, and it stems back to 1995. Well, let, let's just let's start on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, three points.
0: That's the story, uh, right?
1: previous low was seven against the uh, Cleveland. Let the Cleveland Browns scored.
0: Yeah, it's basically the story. The other story is Jake Luton or Lutton. I don't think I will ever have to actually learn his name. We try to watch these games with the announcers on a low volume, for many reasons. If I can give you Exhibit A, is Charles Davis at halftime had an all-timer. It was it was incredible. Some prop usage that even Carrot Top would be ashamed of. The guy is holding a football at halftime. He brings it into the camera shot as like a centerpiece for his act or for his you know his his tight halftime sixty seconds. And he says, "Hey, this is going to be really important." For the Jaguars in the second half and holds up the football. When you play the Steelers, this is really important. Hey, Charles, did you just point to a football as being important in a football game? That's your analysis? You, you should be fired on the spot for that prop work. That is disturbing. So, long story short, don't really listen to the announcers. Don't know how to pron- pronounce Luton or Lutton's name, the quarterback for the Jaguars. Don't think I ever will have to. He is bad. He started what with a 15 and 17 yard completion, and after that, mm, let's see, th- threw more interceptions to the Steelers than he helped the uh, the Jaguars score points. So three points, four interceptions, two interceptions by Minka, our savior, and two interceptions. By Terrell Edmonds, out of all people. The first one went directly to him and we said, we don't care. Still counts. First interception in almost in basically two years. Last one was in 2018. But the second one was gorgeous. He jumped up in his zone, tipped the ball with one hand to himself, and made the catch. It's kind of been the little breakout season that we've been looking for from Terrell Edmonds. He's been much better in coverage. I'm not saying he's a he's an ace, but he's not a liability. It's been good tackling, and now he had a couple splash plays. That's huge for his confidence. That's huge for the Steelers defense. And the Jaguars are terrible on offense. I do not know why they didn't play Minshew. Is he injured, or are they just benching him? Benching him because, yeah, he uh, he could have made some more progress in that. The
1: Jaguars got into Steeler territory exactly two times did, did that make an impression on you during the game
0: i remember you and i were talking after the third quarter you know the first half had ended so excitingly we had seen the bomb to claypool we had seen some big offensive plays and we actually weren't on the phone for most of the third quarter and we called each other at the very end and said I think we were bored out of our skulls and forgot to call each other. It was so boring. So I don't remember them being in the Steelers territory that much, but that makes sense.
1: They got into their, their first possession. As you point out, Luton, we'll just call him Le- Neutron Luton, sure. had this uh, opening, opening passer for 17 and 15 yards. They ended up getting their field goal. And uh, when they got down to the 11, they threw the interception to, that was...
0: Minka. That was Alu Minka. Alu, former top 10 first-round pick from the Jacksonville Jaguars, making his present felt. He's been great ever. He basically picked up where he left off since he got back from the injury. Of course, Minka has a magnet for the ball. I've never seen anything like it. It's not that he doesn't make great plays. We've seen him make great interceptions. He's been incredibly sure tackling after those first rough couple games. But it is insane how the ball bounces to him so often. And uh, that ball bounced right to him. Had a little bit of return. I got excited. I thought he was going to house it. But, yeah. Steelers' defense was incredible. I don't think there's really much to talk about whatsoever. Quarterback is horrific. They have a couple of okay wide receivers. Robinson, their rookie running back, he was fine. I mean, he doesn't have much to work with. 73 yards on 17 carries. Seems like there was a lot of holding going on in the game, and the Steelers were prevented from getting a sack until like late in the game. like Maybe in the second half it felt like when Tua got one. And then I guess tj Watt finally got his first holding call for him of the year late in the game so it wasn't like they sacked the guy 10 to 20 times but uh i mean they just there was there was nothing there if you're on a jacksonville podcast today there's no positives to point out about the offensive side
1: well they had that field goal in the opening drive
0: Well, that was nice yeah
1: that's true hey were you surprised the, only, the steelers only got two sacks doesn't it feel like the pressure was there
0: yeah, I think that they did a decent job getting the ball out of his hands and onto the ground as often as he could. So it just it didn't matter. And that's why sacks are a funny stat. I mean, it's like was the guy even at 50% completion? I mean, the the Steelers defense definitely did their job. So the streak continues though. What do they have the second or third longest sack streak ever at this point? Yeah. Uh I 60. So.
1: Yeah. So Dang, you just pulled that up out of order. 67 games with a sack. Uh-huh. Uh, the record is 69, and I think you're right. We Tampa are Bay, third. Two, two teams set, tied with 69. You know what? Since there is nothing to talk about in this game, can we just bathe in some statistics? Sure. Just scrub them under the under, under pits and enjoy that the sure. fact that the Steelers are number one in interceptions with 15. Obviously, yesterday was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Number one in sacks with 38. Um, Interestingly, they have a pass completion percentage of 54, which is number one in the NFL.
0: Those are actually pretty telling. No, no, I'm not. Those are telling because they said on the broadcast yesterday, the Steelers only have like the sixth ranked overall defense and like third or something like that in terms of points. I might be flip-flopping those, which sounds weird. Wouldn't you think the Steelers would be the number one defense this year? Well, they're not. It's an interesting kind of defense, it reminds me of a, a much more talented, much better version of that 2009 Saints defense or whatever the year was when they won the Super Bowl, um, where it's like you can get yards on them. I mean, you're not just going to line up and run the ball on them, of course, but, like, they'll give up some yards, but they just make so many splash plays. You really can't avoid them. I mean, just look at the Lamar Jackson-Baltimore Ravens game as an example. If you're, in, if There's Baltimore fans after that game saying oh if we don't turn over the ball four times five times if you count that joe hayden interception then we'll be okay like it was was five times (laughs) like there's not five fluke turnovers in one game the steelers will take the ball away from you and the goal basically is hey look our corners are decent they're okay on the outside nelson and hayden they're not super fast guys uh the slot guys we love you know hilton and, and sutton Obviously, you have Minka back there, so it's a solid group back there, but you don't have a ton of speed at the corner position. So what we're going to do is take our all-world front seven, maybe the front four especially, and we're just going to blitz the crap out of you, and either we're going to get you, we're going to force you into a bad throw, which we're going to pick off, or we're going to force you into an incompletion because you have to throw off of your rhythm. And that's basically the Steelers' identity. So it's interesting to see, yeah, they lead in those splash play kind of categories.
1: Well, I don't know what the measure for, for counting a team as the top defensive team because the Steelers lead in terms of points per game.
0: Oh, 17. you know what? 4. I bet you this this that's, that stat was given to me at the beginning of that game, and then you hold a team to three points, that's going to help out your average a lot.
1: It's, it's quite helpful, indeed.
0: Yeah, so I think that that's what we got on, on the defensive side, honestly. I mean, it's just par for the course. It was nice to see Alu back there. We had... Um, Mike Hilton back in the game. That's huge that they're both playing in the Baltimore game. Obviously, Terrell's breakout's great. Always good to see Minka with his hands on the ball. The the guys in the front, they do the same thing they do every game. They're phenomenal. That's great. The offense is where we're just going to basically tell the exact same story we tell every other game with one little asterisk. They taunted us. They tempted us with aggression in the first half. I thought that there have been some weird opinions on Ben's game on the internet. A lot of people saying he was erratic, some people saying it was his worst game. That was, to me, besides the Bengals game last week, that was Ben's best game in a lot of ways. That first half, it was exponential, the number of Uh, Aggressive passes he threw. The the, the increase in in aggressive passes was exponential. They threw so many deep outs to Deontay and Chase and completed them. A glorious one to James Washington while Ben was on his run to the left. A couple posts, skinny posts, to a diving Deontay Johnson that he caught. Obviously, later in the game, you saw another skinny post to Eric Ebron. Uh, Deep shot to, to Chase Claypool. We've been saying this for weeks. Look, listen, you can't just throw the little crossers all game long and then throw the perfunctory go ball that nobody is going to catch, including your guy, just to say, oh, we loosen him up. You have to throw deep outs. You have to throw digs. You have to throw over the middle of the field. And Ben Roethlisberger is unbelievable at all of those passes, so I just can't explain why they're not doing those. And they finally did them. And had major success and then backed all the way off them for the second half for yet another snooze fest. I mean, did they score in the third quarter? I don't think they did. But they took their, their foot off the gas pedal, and it, it was so frustrating. But at least we have a glimmer in the past two games of the Steelers trying to attack downfield, which, which I was happy about. I understand why people said Ben had a bad game, because yet another just complete bozo interception in the end zone. Both times I've been yelling at the screen. When they have – they're in field goal range – to close out the first half. Ben, historically of his career, unbelievable at those hurry-up drives to finish the first half. So many times we've seen it in his career, even with the Killer Bees, they can't do crap for the first two quarters. Then he goes hurry up on that, that last drive of the first half, and then that opens hell's gates for the rest of the game. So he gets all the way down there. No timeouts yet. Feels that he has to take a shot at the end zone. Like, if this is his third game he's ever played. Throws it directly to the Jaguars player. I know that he bumped James Washington, but I don't care. If that really is a situation where you're up, what, 17 to 3, just go up 20 to 3 and, and, and move on. It's the second time this year where they've thrown a pointless interception at the end of the first half. I mean, I love aggression, but it's different. I'd almost prefer you to throw that if you were on the 40 or something like that because the defenders don't have to, to guard behind them. They can just stand on the back of the end zone and run at the ball when you throw it. So it's just such an easy interception to make. That's why you keeps seeing it happening. And then, of course, he threw a really dangerous pass to Ebron or someone that almost got pick six. So every week Ben has an almost pick six. But by the way, everybody, how's that different from the Killer Bees, heiress? Always, he always does that. He'll, he'll throw more touchdowns to make up for it. Um, so anyways, that's what I thought about Ben's game. I was incredibly encouraged by it, but... I don't know. I, I can go for a lot longer on this. What do you, what do you, what did you think? Do you have any other thoughts regarding that? Well,
1: about Ben in particular?
0: Yeah. Or just overarching thoughts about the offense, but more about, more about Ben and the aggression. Cause this has kind of become the theme of our podcast for this year. Cause I'm sorry. I think this is going to be the Achilles heel of the team
1: in the end. I needed him to throw that ball into the end zone. I needed the excitement. Um, you know, he's a good, live by the sword, die by the sword. Maybe it wasn't tactically the best thing to do, sort of like passing up the field goal last week. But um, 32 completions ties his ties his high for the year. Um, yeah. Interesting. He continues to lead the league in time to throw or the last guy. He's at 2.29 2. seconds. That means anything. Throws the quickest yeah. in the league. Um,
0: That's the dink what, dunk. You know, more,
1: I guess the thing that really is bothering me and apparently in Bothers the Twitter sphere is the play calling, and yes. I hate to sound like a broken record. Yeah, but why? A why is Benny Snell the big back? Why He's is he smaller the goal line? than the
0: regular back? <laughs> it's crazy. Do,
1: do you think Tomlin's uh, like family knows his family, and it's like we'll get him in there?
0: You know what? They just have this fetish with running backs over the years. Whether it was. You know, Rainey actually was pretty decent, but we all mentioned the Dree Archer thing. You know, he just loves the idea that that Isaac Redman's going to walk through the door, or or uh, Gary. Uh, wow, I'm blanking. I'm blanking. This is embarrassing. But either either way. Isaac Redman's going to burst through the door and be that guy. Like, hey, he's gone. He's long gone. Chris Fumatu Umafala, he was before your time, but he's gone as well. We don't have that guy. I don't know why they have to be so specialized. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Snell is not a better powerback than Connor. I, I just don't understand it. And by the way, our fan, fantasy team doesn't understand it when you vulture Connor's <laughs> touchdown from the one-yard line. But look, this is a good time in the program to talk about The attitude towards the Steelers from the fans and uh, just NFL fans in general. So they're like the least talked about 10-0 team ever. And people are acting like this is is shocking. Like, why aren't they being talked about? Why is that shocking to anybody? The Steelers are great this year. They're fantastic. They're certainly the second best team in the AFC. They're not the first best team. Did anybody watch the Chiefs game? Have you seen that? Have you seen what the Chiefs can do? Who's going to cover Kelsey? It's not Devin Bush. Oh, Terrell Edmonds is going to cover Kelsey? Who's even halfway as fast? Our fastest corner is slower than their fourth receiver. Look down the list. Tyreek Hill runs 4-2. Nicole Hardman runs 4-2. Sammy Watkins runs, runs 4-3 after three leg surgeries. He's still faster than everyone the Steelers have. Robinson, Pringle. I mean, if you don't understand the Chiefs thing, then I'm convinced you've never watched them play. Also, their quarterback, pretty decent. Also, their offensive coordinator, head coach, historically had a great time against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why do people keep forgetting this? The reason why the Steelers aren't being talked about isn't because they're not good. They're they're great this year. But the Steelers are propped up by an, an, like an unfathomable amount of superstars on the defensive side of the ball. And on the offensive side of the ball, some guys who are really great but inconsistent and the the offense disappears for quarters at a time they've never put together more than two good quarters in a whole game and now we're and people complain about it during the games and then after the games they get pissed off when people point it out i don't get it what are you watching that says the steelers are a consistent offense they're either horrible or very impressive when Ben's calling the plays out of five wide, which is a huge problem to itself. So if you watch the Kansas City Chiefs play, you should understand that we don't care about what this what people think of the Steelers. We want them to get the seventh ring, and to get that seventh ring, all likelihood, you're going to have to go through this juggernaut that's in Kansas City. And if the Steelers keep playing this little dink and dunk method that they're doing, it's not going to go well. So... That's where I get angry about this play calling. It has not gotten much better. I liked the aggression in this past game, but it just terrifies me that they, they it, we're 10 games in now. You should have seen the shift by this point in the season. This is when you start to see the teams adjust those problems that they've had all year. So there's plenty of time to do it. But, like, look, you're not going to get as much hype as a 10-0 team when you've only blown out two teams. You've had a close game with multiple basement dwelling teams and the best team is considered to be the other, the 9 and 1 team you know what i mean so it's not that i'm saying the steelers aren't awesome they're they're phenomenal but come on like what are we watching here
1: i'm not going to apologize for 10 and 0 beating no. up on some doormats we often lose to doormats i mean i think our 10 and 0 is better than the chiefs because you know this season was set up for us to stumble all over these cellar dwelling teams and you know what? So, yeah, let, let's Steelers just talk about this. Awesome. Here's the here's care, the though. troubling here's the troubling part that it again. When I die, I'm just if 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 things go right, I'll be able to make a request to go back. I want to be inside all of the coaching rooms when they make these decisions. But it seems to me that you make significant shifts in game strategy when you're behind, i.e. You say right. okay, Ben, go ahead. We've all seen that Twitter picture of Feetner and Tomlin on the yeah. side where Tomlin <laughs> said just let him go or whatever that and then it seems to flow. And Ben is a rhythm quarterback, as you've pointed out a million times before, and it's fine. And I actually am not as bothered by you to rely on that because if a team figures out the rhythm and the passing game, you do have Connor. By the way, Connor was had 89 yards on 13 carries. He averaged 6.8 yards a carry. Even if you take out his 25 yard run, he was averaging over five yards. So I'm comfortable with Connor. If you loosen the team up with the passing game, you can always just break out the running game, minus.
0: But you can't. Because they haven't been able to, except for the team that just lost nine games in a row.
1: You can break it out if you choose to. I just think they have this bifurcated strategy that they pull out when they get behind or they're threatened. Why do you have this super controlled, almost scripted first half of this running as you've again, I'm just scared. using your observation. Yeah, yeah. We're living in our fears.
0: We live in our fears, which is the irony. Tomlin lives in his fears more than anyone else, except for when it comes time to be like, how about we go for two where it makes no sense at all? Why? We don't live in our fears, but there's there's charts that we can use. Get rid of the charts.
2: We do not care.
0: Here's why I'm pissed off, Dad. This is what it is. And I wish we had done this at the top of the episode, because this is my real feeling about this team. The reason why I'm pissed off is because the offense has enough talent where they should be blowing teams out, like the Chiefs. They should be able to hang 35 points on the Kansas City Chiefs defense, no problem. Chase Claypool is becoming Julio Jones. Chase Claypool is incredible. Oh, by the way, he's the number two because Deontay Johnson has arrived like all of us have predicted. His second 100-yard game in a row. Is Ben in 2017 form? I don't don't know, but, I mean, probably not, but not that far from it. And by the way, he's getting better every single week after missing a whole year. So there's plenty of throws yesterday that say, the physical thing looks identical. There doesn't look to be that much of a physical change to him at all. He is slinging the ball, so that's why I'm pissed off. Is it, it? seems like the Steelers. Your your third receiver is sort of a number one. Juju's your third receiver, like mcleod It turns out, oh, he's not just a kick returner. He can actually make amazing catches, like he did this past game. You see that phenomenal catch he had that was two feet behind him. And he, Contorted around there, made the catch, turned up field, made the run. He had a snap at running back. This team is stacked. The offensive line is not great, which is weird to say. I think DeCastro clearly still hurt. I don't know why they don't want to put Dotson in. He seems like he's had much more success than Filer. They cannot get a push in the run game. The Steelers cannot run the ball traditionally, but you're right. I like Connor. It, but you need to pass to set up the run. They keep trying. They just there's no rhythm to this offense. So that's why I get pissed off. And it's not because I'm saying the Steelers aren't awesome. They don't deserve to be 10 and 0. I'm just trying to say like, why are people getting mad at this? We're all watching the same thing, right? This offensive clunk fest has never evaporated. Usually by this point in the season, even in the Killer B era with that crazy offense, it would take them till week six, seven, or eight to kind of really get rolling. They have not gotten rolling. Even Ben, if you saw his post-game presser, you would have thought we lost. I was watching it on Facebook, and I thought for a second that I was watching the presser. I had to check, like, is this this year's Jaguars game? Because he was, he was pissed. He wasn't answering the – he was giving two-word answers saying, move on. I got to do better. So even Ben knows, like – they should have beat that team by 50. And I know there's people listening right now saying that you should be happy with the victory. I am totally happy with the victory. I understand the Steelers are moving forward at a certain pace like you and I have said. They usually lose that game, so winning by over 20 points is, is phenomenal. But that's why I get pissed off because you do need to watch the other teams play to understand what they can do. I don't think a lot of fans are doing that. And the Steelers have the talent where they should be the best team for sure. And I don't think that you could just say, well, they're 10-0, so that automatically makes them the best team. I think the Steelers' goal right now is bigger. It is Lombardi, 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 or bust, and they need to throw the damn ball down the field to open up some holes for Connor. The man beat cancer, for, for God's sake. He can't beat your crap game plan, Featner.
1: So, look, do you think it's a matter of Feetner and Tomlin would respond and say, look, we need to run a game to open up the passing game? They've got to justify it somehow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I actually think that they've done some good things in like in in tailoring their game plans, pass heavy or run heavy based on the opponent. But just I think that what we have right now is like a, I don't know, I was going to say 65 year old coordinator. He looks 94 years old. We have a 94 year old offensive coordinator who's never been a play caller in the NFL and the guy just doesn't know how to sequence plays together. And so, when you don't know how to sequence, sequence
1: plays, I mean, what, what, let me go back to my key plays of the game. No, let me go back to my crappy plays of the game chart, where they have um, McFarland running two times for negative one yard.
0: Thank you, perfect. That's a perfect. You know what he was running out of? Uh, what was it? Twenty-two personnel, one, one receiver. Tea. What, basically, one receiver. Two tight ends, two running backs. They did it last week. We said that was the dumbest thing we ever have seen in our life, and Feitner's eyes should be gouged out, and you should have to coach now by ear. And if that doesn't work for you, I'm sorry. You're out of the league. Last week, they did two plays in a row from a goal line formation in the middle of the field. First play, no yards. What are we going to do? Roll that same crap back out there. Are you f- are you freaking kidding me? He's a big
1: guy. He's are you kidding guy. me? You
0: run it again? It's second and ten, and then you run it again? Well, they'll never do that again. They did the identical thing this week. You should be punched in the larynx until you can't talk anymore so that we can never have you call a play ever again. How do you do that? Even a middle school coach won't do that. So it's a problem. And there's a lazy like – okay, so there's lazy narratives from fans who don't watch – Things And then there's lazy narratives from quote-unquote pundits or people who tweet about the Steelers but who don't watch the film, who don't really understand what they're seeing. There's like the lazy narrative responses to the lazy narratives. And one of those things is like, stop saying that it's the offensive coordinator's fault. There were a couple guys, big Steelers writers, who said – People complaining about Randy Feetner, uh, meanwhile we 're up 17 to three. in the second quarter they tweeted that. and I wanted to tweet them back at the end of the third quarter and be like, "Still 17 to three. By the way, the other quarterback's never going to play in the NFL again. So what's this crap about like, <laughs> if there's just no context to anything? 17 to three? Oh, it, it could be the 85 Bears or it could be the 2020 Jaguars who have won no games since the opening week and have a semi-professional court. Like, there needs to be context to all this stuff. So just saying, like, you think that you're like a football head when you say don't blame it all on the coordinator. This is Hugely on the coordinator The only other people at fault right now are the offensive line Not getting a great push And Ben making some pretty boneheaded decisions Every once in a while But he's made some great plays as well The receivers were phenomenal And uh, it it is the offensive coordinator And I don't know what to tell you I just need to see it improve And I'm going to go crazy if it doesn't
1: When you see an empty backfield An empty Steelers backfield And five receivers What do you feel? A tingle on the back of your neck Excitement That we're just going to mow through that defense like they're not like a hot knife through butter or like a steely sharpened blade through pubic hair?
0: We're going to mow them down like that blade through the pubic jungle that you know should not exist anymore. And thanks to Manscaped, it doesn't have to. Listen, untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past, according to Manscaped. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. Get it for your dad. Get it for your son. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. I don't know if they're talking about your package or if this is a, a deal where you get a bunch of different stuff together, but I'm pretty sure, uh, pretty sure we know it's a little bit of both, everybody. Listen, Manscaped has redesigned the elect trim, electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology so that this trimmer does not cut you where it counts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. I've said that a number of times. Also got a light. You can do it in the dark. That's, that's what you want to do. And that perfect package 3.0, it is a package. The lawnmower 3.0 comes inside that, and it makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It seriously does. It is one of those things where you, might, you wouldn't be excited to get like a trimmer. You want something that you could take for a ride. Well, guess what? You can take this thing for a ride. It's not a trimmer. It's the future. And I have it. It's incredible. It just makes uh, any shaving accidents a thing of the past. Use their bombs. Use their use everything. All right, just use Manscape. Twenty percent off, free shipping with the code armchairmanscaped.com. dot com. Your balls will thank you.
1: We are taking on the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens this weekend. What? What do you think this, the point spread will be there? How do you think that'll open up?
0: I think the COVID is going to make a difference on the point spread. Uh, it's in Pittsburgh, right? So I bet you the pit. I wouldn't be surprised if it were like six points, but probably three and a half is the traditional one. I was thinking if they were seven, smart. yeah. yeah I, 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 if I'm setting the line, it's Steelers-Ravens. It should be a three and a half point spread, you know. And if you, you could probably check that over that bet online because bet online is going to be the place where that you're going to want to bet on that Steelers-Ravens game. You're going to want to bet on the Steelers because they're the best team we've ever seen, baby. They got game spreads, totals, team player, and coaching props. Betonline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. That's our spot to win bets. We've been losing bets. We're going to change that. We're going to start winning them. That's not Bet Online's fault. That's it's not our fault either. It's the team's fault. Okay? Head to BetOnline today and use promo code armchair to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Betonline. Ching your online sportsbook experts.
1: Speaking of the Ravens, Mark Ingram against the uh so the Ravens drop a 30 to 24 game to the Titans and in that game huge we have Mark Ingram with exactly two carries for two yards but we had J.K. Dobbins 15 carries for 70 yards they will not be seeing the field this week as will is this the case with Brandon Williams defensive tackle
0: yeah huge I mean the Brandon Williams one that's even more encouraging I don't know if Calais Campbell's gonna be playing this week or not uh their other giant defensive tackle defensive end actually um but if he's out as well, oh, man, this game is just ripe for the picking. And, and Ingram was working his way back from an injury anyways. That's why he had just got a couple carries. And I know that they want to get the rookie to be their main guy there, but that's the leader of their team, in my opinion, is Mark Ingram. So they are missing some serious firepower, let alone they're crumbling emotionally and mentally. Lamar's out there making comments in postgame, like people want us to lose. Like, yeah, Lamar, you're good. That's what happens. And, and John Harbaugh is... Literally starting fights with players at midfield before their games, like against the Titans, to try and psych his team up, and then he's not shaking the hand of the other coach when they're done, and they are crumbling. It is glorious, but they're the Ravens, so I do not give a crap. They are very dangerous. They dominated the Steelers in the last game, save for like a 10-minute stretch where the Steelers were able to turn it around thanks to an Alex Highsmith interception and some pinpoint Ben Roethlisberger passes when they really counted, but otherwise... Oh, it was brutal. So we know that this game's going to be close, but the Steelers are reportedly wearing the color rush uniforms, and it's in Pittsburgh at (laughs) night on a holiday, and we have many good memories of this. Last time they did that against the Ravens, color rush holiday nighttime, we saw an immaculate extension to win the AFC North. So let's hope that we see something glorious and similar to that. But the... uh, yeah, the, the COVID thing. Um, hey, I mean, those are some big losses for them. And the Steelers get Alu Alu and Hilton back for this game. They did not play the first game against the Ravens, so that should help. And uh, I think the Steelers have to feel much better about this than the last time when they were not ready for that Lamar option offense.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. They they had a five and one record to start the season, but they have been three and well one and. Th- three over the last four games also interesting they scored 24 points in three of those four games
0: at least they're consistent so yeah they are they are really heading downhill it's weird but i'm not writing them off man i mean this is the ravens we're talking about they're they're phenomenal team but it'll be nice to put a little nail in the coffin with this one it doesn't uh, virtually lock up the afc north but it it gets very close to doing so Uh, obviously the browns are in second place at this point
1: here is my argument for coming out of college and signing the contract as soon as possible. Joe Burrow.
0: I never thought I would I know it sad. happened
1: after he signed his contract. There's no reason for Trevor Lawrence to stay in school.
0: No. This is actually kind of depressing, and I hate Cincinnati with all my heart, but Burrow uh, didn't just tear something in his knee. He destroyed the entire thing. Adam Schefter has reported, I don't know, ACL, MCL, PCL, like one of those... Just disaster knee injuries. That's at least a nine to twelve month timetable for his return. So he might miss next year as well, which is insane. Crazy. It makes that Bengals uh, game on the schedule easier later in the season. Um, obviously, you don't want it to happen this way. Joe Burrow's so cool, such a great prospect. It just hurts when you hear a guy get hurt like that. It, it sucks. It makes your your stomach stomach sink. You know, we'd find a way to put him in his place and beat him every time we played him. Who cares, right? So that just, that that really stinks for Burrow. It does make for, uh, you know, a little bit easier schedule for the Steelers here who are not going to have the cupcake schedule that everyone predicted of them to to have. I don't know why people said that, by the way. It's like, are you looking at the end? It's got the Ravens and the Colts and the Bills, Browns. All those are playoff teams. So, yeah, that sucks for Burrow, though. That's depressing. He was having a phenomenal rookie year as well.
1: So they're going to replace him with Ryan Finley.
0: He's the worst. He probably was roommates with Luton, the Crouton, somewhere. North along Carolina State. Yeah, we played him last year. I think he completed two passes.
1: So, at the risk of lighting the fuse again, yes, Chris Sims gave us yes. his top ten quarterbacks.
0: I'm going to pound every one of you into the ground. You are about to be baptized in defense of one of the great football minds of our time, Christopher. David Sims. Okay, look. Seriously, Chris Sims is one of the best analysts out there. Uh, He watches every single team. He watches the film. He breaks it down. He has breakdowns on his Instagram readily available for you people to not watch and just claim that he puts things for clickbait. But uh, this is one of the good guys. This is uh, an influence on our podcast for sure and somebody who's educating football fans out there to learn how to scout people through context, and not just from numbers. You're not just the best team because you've won the most games. You know, you're know, you not just the best quarterback because you have the best stats. What's there to be had? Uh, when you're throwing to receivers, are they wide open all the time? Or are you Deshaun Watson in Houston who would say, oh, maybe he sucks. It's like the guy doesn't have a line or receivers that stay healthy or they traded away his best player, and yet still he's a one-man team making things happen. He, was, he has historically been one of the biggest supporters of Ben. You know the media hates Ben. They, they wrote him off after his douchey early career exploits. But Sims is always there saying, like, this is a, a top 10 or at least borderline, at worst borderline top 10 quarterback of all time. One of the greatest deep ball throwers ever. Of course, incredible at extending the play. But people don't realize the tight windows he throws the ball into. Nobody gives that analysis of Ben. They all just gave the same stupid analysis that they gave 14 years ago like oh he's big and he breaks tackles and he extends plays like nobody talks about his evolution as a quarterback well Sims does because he watches the film he watches the context and he tries to compare people when they're not on, on, on the exact same even playing field you know I mean he's a great a- analyst that way he admits his biases with something that we try to do you admit when you're wrong so on and so forth so he made a top 10 quarterback list and fans are furious that Ben is not on it or uh, top 10 quarterback so far this year. Fans are furious that Ben's not on it, and I don't know why. Ha, do you think that Ben's been a top 10 quarterback? How am I have to say, say this? I am, without a shred of doubt in my body, the number one, number one, number one. Not, there's, not even, there's not even a close number two. I am the number one Ben Roethlisberger fan in the history of Ben Roethlisberger. What are you going to say?
1: You know what you're going to get in this show? This is a unique podcast because I am Nick's father, and (laughs) I can actually verify that he is... It's obscene. ...crazily, obsessively, actually needing therapy, Ben Roethlisberger's number one fan.
0: Yes, it's true. I will give the Hall of Fame speech when it's time, but I can admit Ben's faults because... I watch the damn games, you know? And I'm not going to say he's the number one quarterback of all time, but he's definitely one of the best quarterbacks that has ever played. And in order to tell people how good someone is, you need to be realistic. So I have to have some weight when I talk about the guy and be like, yeah, he, he's one of the best deep ball throwers we've ever seen. He's an incredibly accurate passer down the field particularly. One of the greatest... Um, you know, aggressive throwers that we've seen, tight windows, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, we know he can extend plays. Obviously, we know he's tough. He plays through injuries. And yes, he is big. That's one of his talents. Um, and then, yeah, we know he also has some bouts of inconsistency and maybe isn't as surgical as some of the other quarterbacks. But when you look at the surgical quarterbacks, you see a Tom Brady, you see a Drew Brees, and like for some reason, we decide to detach them with the coaches they have and the fact that. The instant a guy who's literally who's a 30-year-old who's never played a game at quarterback in his life goes in and wins his first game in a blowout for the Saints, and we just disregard that. And all I'm saying is that doesn't mean Drew Brees is bad. That means we need to have context. The coaches matter, as we're seeing this year, right? So when you look at Sims' top 10 quarterback list... How can you say that Ben's been a top 10 quarterback this year? He's played well. We've been happy with how he's played. I think by the end of the year, he will be around number 10. But I think the only way you can say that is that you don't watch any of these other players play. And now there's so many people attacking a good guy who looks at the film, looks at the context. They're attacking him by saying he only looks at stats, which really pisses me off. Because that shows empirically that you did not listen to the episode where he lists lists the players. He doesn't list stats. That's his whole thing is don't just look at stats. So you're out there trashing a guy, fictionali- fictionally creating an argument for him that never happened. Saying, oh, they're just looking at stats. When meanwhile, you sound like the person who's just looking at stats because we look at then they list Ben's stats. Oh, he has 20 whatever touchdowns and this many interceptions. Like, but have you watched the games? Does he look as good as he has for the past 10 years? No. No, he does not. Are you crazy? He's playing great. He's not turning the ball over. We like that. He's not connecting on even a fraction of the deep ball passes that he used to connect on. He's playing very well. We're happy with what he's playing like. But to call him a current top 10 quarterback? I mean, just watch what Mahomes did last night. It's not the same planet. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. We know those ones, right? But it sounds like a lot of people don't watch Deshaun Watson. It sounds like a lot, It sounds like none of these people have seen Justin Herbert play. Or Joe Burrow. Or some of those other players that are doing more with less. I don't care what those players do. I care about where Ben's ranking is in in the history of the game. And that's why this guy's list, this is one of the only, if not the only, major media defender of Ben Roethlisberger in a global context that way. But I just care that Ben gets the Super Bowl. Because after that, no one's going to give a crap. He's going to be a three-time Super Bowl winner, and that'll be eternal, right? But... Just When you watch football, there has to be context. Don't just react to people and get angry over a list without even looking at the context for it whatsoever. I'm very happy about what Ben looked like this past week, the past two weeks. I think that he will crack the list by the end of the year if he keeps being more aggressive. But don't just look at his touchdown-to-interception ratio and say, like, oh, there it is, because... Have we watched Ben Roethlisberger before? He cut throats in every year for the past 10 years. And this year it's a little bit more reserved. Some of that's by design. We love to see that he's been able to mature to do that. But hey, come on. He's got brand new receivers, didn't get an offseason. It's improving a lot. That touchdown to Chase was awesome. Touchdown to, to, to you know, tight end Ebron was awesome. But uh, I just, that just drove me insane to see what people do. That. Like, you didn't even read. You didn't read anything. You didn't listen to anything. You react and you say, oh, he just cares about completion percentage. Like, no, no, he didn't. You're, you're lying. That's insanity.
1: Okay, everybody, remember, context means everything. I want to give a couple of statistics I think that are interesting. Chase Claypool approaches the rookie touchdown record for the Pittsburgh Steelers right be it with, number, with 10 touchdowns. He's right behind Franco Harris and Lewis Lips with
0: 11. Both in
1: 1972? Could that be right?
0: Not Lewis Lips.
1: (laughs) No, somebody wrote that down wrong. Um, 67 straight games Steelers have with a Steelers sack. I think we mentioned that, two away from tying the record. And for the first time, this blows me away. In franchise history, the Steelers haven't allowed a sack in three games.
0: Surprise? Surprise. I am surprised. I, I, you know what? If it takes t- getting a sack to start throwing the ball downfield a little bit more, so be it. You know? I mean, good job. They get the ball out quick. I'm just I'm, I'm beating this drum. I just want to see them try a little bit more. And you know what? In the first half, they did it. And it was really encouraging. And if you are doing that, who the hell is going to cover Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster and Eric Ebron one-on-one? And Ben's going to put it right where he needs to.
1: I'd like to start a new feature on the Steelers Outpost podcast. I'm going to give game, game balls on both sides of the ball, and we are going to exclude the quarterback. Quarterback can be highlighted for sure. special reasons, but let's uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Who do you give the game ball to?
0: I'm going to give it to Deontay Johnson. For that sort of uh, that number one receiver-looking performance. A bunch of catches down the field. Some 20-yarders, some divers. Beautiful job. No drops. The insane, bobbling catch he made. We didn't even mention it the whole episode the, the, that he made on third and long to get the Steelers to the one-yard line. Chase was Shoot. awesome, too. But, yeah, Deontay Johnson would be my vote for a player of the game on offense.
1: And flipping on the other side of the ball for defense.
0: We have to give it to Terrell. Terrell Edmonds, maybe Bud Dupree slash Ike Taylor Jr., the much maligned high pick, making a slow ascent. It's not. It's not a meteoric rise like you know the receivers were so spoiled with, who are pretty much instantly good when they touch the field. But Edmonds slowly but surely getting better, and that uh, tipped interception was the best play of his career so far in my eyes.
1: I want to give you sort of a sentimental favor because I want to see him do well. But um, and I looked at Bud as well. Bud had a one pass defensed. He had a tackle for loss and two quarterback hits mm-hmm. plus a sack. But okay. I am going to give the ball to Minka Fitzpatrick. Woo! Two interceptions, five tackles, uh, two def- two passes defended. I think he does it with intention. Yeah. If we're comparing him to Edmonds, Minka's doing it with intentionality. Edmonds was in the right place at the right time, and he didn't fumble the ball.
0: Yeah, yeah. I gives mean, give him a ton one. of credit.
1: Yeah, and the second and, one was nice,
0: though, the tipped one, I was saying.
1: Tipped one was good, right? Yeah, really nice. Heads up. I'm giving it to Minka. Minka, That's great. game well, in, hey, game out, dependable. Minka,
0: you know that those front four guys are going to be awesome no matter what. Minka's the one you just want to keep seeing him make plays because you, you, just it just reminds you so much of – Troy, not in their playing styles whatsoever. They play completely differently, but it was that thing where it's like the Steelers didn't have great corners. I mean, it took Ike a while to become really good, but they had Troy. When he would go out, the the difference was shocking, even with all of those other legendary players on there. But when he was on there, he covered up so much. And like I said, the Steelers have a, have a cool secondary, very solid, not a lot of speed on the outside. If Minka can keep making plays like that, he really covers up a lot. Uh, not not that he's covering up for bad players, he's covering up for, for good guys, but you know, if if he's hot, my you know, argument for the best safety in the league.
1: Visit the website, SteelersOutpost.com. check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost, hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost, or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving.